In the last episode of series three, which I think was episode 34, which I called The Robots Are Coming, I gave a kind of teaser for some dystopian future in which androids would do all the drudgery and we would be free to enjoy a leisurely life. There was a certain tongue-in-cheek quality about this and perhaps we can now see why. Most of us already enjoy more leisure than most of our forebears and most of us have very little, if any, idea what to do with it. The advent of androids is not going to precipitate an existential crisis because they will take our work and do it for us and so render our means of earning a living unnecessary. The problem is that they will remove from us one of the most pressing and powerful features of human existence, which is that we do what we do, not because we enjoy it, but in some anticipation of a future reward that we hope we will enjoy. The drudgery, even the slavery, the subservience and the servitude that is associated with an enormous amount of human labour does not furnish satisfaction. And so at the one level, one might think that replacing us with androids might be a good thing, and so it might. But only if we can solve the much more profound existential question of what we do with leisure, because leisure unlike work, tends to be associated with immediate satisfaction and pleasure. That's why we lie on beaches and drink pina coladas. Those things are pleasurable right there and then. I suppose you could argue that people who go to the gym and endure torment or train for races are in a sense participating in a form of leisure in which they are deferring pleasure until some putative future reward. But they, by and large, are the minority. There is, right through human civilization, from the cradle to the grave, an assumption that we justify today on, the, on behalf of and for the sake of tomorrow, that we mortgage the present for the future. But if, as the Dewey Principle suggests, the only way we will be able to enjoy tomorrow is if we learn how to enjoy today, and we are incapable of enjoying today, then it would seem to follow as night follows day that we will be just as incapable of enjoying tomorrow. So, where work is a kind of replacement for satisfaction, where we justify our work to ourselves, however unpleasant, however much it makes us into drudges or slaves or mindless automata. If we justify that on the basis of some future reward, anything from a little brown pay packet at the end of the week to some future glory that we anticipate as a result of writing a great thesis, anything at all, If the justification for today is in terms of tomorrow and we no longer have the opportunity because we no longer have the need 
to do the drudgery today, then what will we do? Not just to earn a living, that's a problem that is probably solvable in terms of some sort of universal distribution of wealth, but what will we do with our time? How will we justify ourselves to ourselves? How will we see any purpose in living today unless we can invent some new lie that tells us that the purpose of today is to be found in tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, in that, as in so many senses, never comes. And a thought suddenly occurs to me about education. Perhaps the reason why education doesn't defer to the Dewey Principle doesn't insist that learning and the work at school should be enjoyable in its own terms and worthwhile in its own terms is because we are subconsciously preparing children for the fact that life itself doesn't really, for most people, make sense in its own terms. After all, to spend all one's time at school doing things that were enjoyable in their own terms and worthwhile today, and then have to make the transition to a lifetime of drudgery in which what you're doing today is not pleasurable and is only justifiable in terms of the rewards that it will bring you in the future, that transition would be particularly painful for children who'd learned and grown up to believe that life was essentially enjoyable. So the point that we were making in episode three here, or was it episode four, that there is something wrong with the system if it doesn't allow the Dewey principle to apply, perhaps the system is smarter than that. Perhaps the system knows very well that it's not a good idea to bring children up with expectations that the world never will and never can satisfy. But that's just, as you might say, another level, a sort of meta level at which the system is corrupt. Because what we're doing is saying that the whole system is designed to lead us to be satisfied with a relationship between today and tomorrow in which we permanently postpone pleasure and enjoyment for the sake of some future reward. And ultimately, of course, the religious teaching about the afterlife is the final apotheosis of that absurd notion that you should put up with an entire life of drudgery and slavery on the basis of a promise of some future paradise, which, if you'll forgive me for saying so, is another tomorrow that will never come. So what are we really doing when we consider all of these uh, interlacing factors? We are saying that the world has conspired to deny each of us, or most of us perhaps is a better way of putting it, most of us recourse to the single most rewarding principle that can make sense of any life, which is that we should enjoy today for today, that we should extract from the experience of the present all that can be extracted from it. 
and that that, as Dewey says, is really in the end the only preparation for the future that is worth anything. If we cannot enjoy today, today, we will be very unlikely to be able to enjoy tomorrow, tomorrow. We simply won't know how, and most of us don't know how. We know, as I said in the first part of this, how to lie on a beach, drink pina coladas, have sex and listen to music. But we only know how to do that very often because we are, as you might say, taking a time out, a breather, a break, a bit of R&R in preparation for the drudgery that we know will soon recommence when the holiday or the weekend or the evening dissolves. 